Hello, my name is Brenna Bay, and I'm a Senior Construction Associate here at Edwin Co. Welcome to the third in our series of podcasts about residential construction. The goal of these podcasts is to discuss and address potential pitfalls that often arise on residential construction projects. Numerous of the topics which we will discuss in these podcasts are also covered in our guide entitled What to Know Before You Start Digging a Hole, which can be found on our website. I would highlight that the information within these podcasts is general guidance only and may not necessarily apply to your particular project, since, of course, every construction project is different. Therefore, I would strongly recommend that before you undertake any sort of construction project or sign any agreement or appointment, you seek professional advice. In previous podcasts, we talked about why you should have written contracts and appointments, why standard form appointments need to be amended, and a few things to look out for in consultant appointments. In this podcast, I want to talk about building contracts, and specifically JCT contracts, which are often used for residential projects here in the UK. Now, not to sound like a broken record, but you should always have a written contract before you allow your contractor to start on site. I know, at the start of the project, everyone is excited to get the works underway. Hence, it can be very tempting to let the contractor start the works while construction documentation is being drafted. However, once the works are started and monies are paid, your negotiation power is reduced. Additionally, as we've previously discussed, Investing time at the outset of a project can help identify potential pitfalls and thus avoid costly disputes down the line. So having decided to take my advice, how do you go about drafting a building contract? It's common practice within the construction industry to use standard form contracts. Within the UK, the Joint Contracts Tribunal, or JCT, provide industry standard forms of building contracts. You will notice that I've said forms there is something like upwards of 12 different forms of building contract provided by JCT, some of which have two to three variations. This is to cater for the different types of building projects and how these developments could be built. When reviewing all of the different options, people often think that either the JCT minor works or the JCT homeowners contracts are the correct ones to use for residential projects. However, this is not necessarily the case. These forms of contracts do not cater for numerous issues that need to be considered when the works being undertaken are either complex, funded by a lender, or of a high value. The choice of which JCT contract to use depends on the procurement route and the nature of the works being undertaken. For example, if your architect and engineer will design everything first and give a fully developed design to a contractor to build, then you're using what's known as traditional procurement. This means that forms like the JCT Standard or the JCT Intermediate might be appropriate. If, however, your contractor is to be fully responsible for designing and building your home, the form of procurement is Design and Build. Unsurprisingly, the JCT Design and Build contract will likely be used in such a case. Other procurement options include Prime Cost and Construction Management, although these procurement routes are generally not suitable for residential projects being undertaken by a homeowner. Overall, it is always best to get specialists' advice to help determine which procurement route and JCT contract are appropriate for your project. So, with the appropriate form selected, the next step is the drafting. As a standardized agreement, a JCT contract is comprised of generic terms and conditions, which are supplemented by project-specific information. Therefore, too often, the assumption is that drafting a JCT contract is simply a case of marking selections and filling in the blanks within the areas of the contract known as the articles, the recitals, and the contract particulars. 
If only it were that simple. The first point I'd like to make is that whoever is making the selections and filling in the blanks needs to actually make selections and fill in the blanks. Leaving contract particulars empty or inserting TBC can lead to major issues later in the project. Additionally, the parties need to understand what the selections and blanks in the JCT actually mean. One example I often see is the selection of arbitration for dispute resolution. Now, I'm not saying there's anything wrong with arbitration per se. Rather, the issue is that parties do not understand the implication of this selection, being that arbitration will then be used for dispute resolution in place of litigation. So with the articles, recitals, and contract particulars completed, the contract's drafted, right? No, again, not quite that easy. JCT contracts also have conditions, being the provisions within the contract. While many construction professionals tend to freak out when lawyers suggest that amendments are required to the JCT conditions, there are numerous valid reasons for amendments. The most obvious is the fact that the JCT contracts were last released about four years ago, and a lot has changed in the last six months, let alone the last four years. The easiest example of why we need to consider amendments is force majeure. Before COVID-19, few constructional professionals in the UK likely knew that the JCT contracts did not define force majeure, something that was a major shock when lockdown struck. Now that this deficiency has been identified, parties should consider amending their JCT contracts to include a definition of force majeure. That is but one example. There are many other areas within the JCT contracts where it has become apparent, either through use or through court cases, that amendments need to be made. The other big reason why lawyers amend JCT contracts is to address project-specific or client-specific requirements. For residential construction projects, it has to be remembered that other than the JCT homeowners contract, the JCT contracts have not been drafted with consumers in mind. This means that unamended, the risk profile in JCT contracts is based on the presumption that the person instructing the works, otherwise known as the client or the employer, is experienced in undertaking works and understands all of the provisions within the contract. Yet for a residential occupier project, this is more than likely not the case. A good example here is the risk for ground conditions when digging a basement for a new house. Now most homeowners would expect that when a contractor quotes, say, a million pounds to build a house, the contractor will build that whole house as specified for the million pounds. But what happens if when the contractor starts digging the basement, it finds that the ground conditions are different than expected, and thus the works will take longer and cost more? Who has to pay for that? In an unamended JCT contract, it'll be the homeowner. Now let me be clear, I'm not saying that the homeowner should not necessarily pay. Rather, I'm saying that it is unfair that this risk is placed on a homeowner in this manner, since in the majority of the cases, the homeowner does not know either about the risks associated with building a basement, or that the JCT contract places this risk on him or her. If, however, the building contract is subject to an amendment that shifts the risk for ground conditions onto the contractor, since of course the contractor should be well-versed in the risk of ground conditions when digging a basement, the contractor will include such risk in its price, or potentially it'll cause the parties to have a pre-contract discussion about such risk, and both the expectation and cost for the risks will be set appropriately. So, in this podcast, we've discussed building contracts, 
and specifically the most commonly used form for residential projects in the United Kingdom, JCT contracts. There are lots of different types of JCT contracts, the choice of which depends on your procurement route and the nature of your project. What I hope you take away from this podcast is that the JCT homeowners and JCT minor works forms of contract are not appropriate if you are building a new home. Also, as the issue with the definition of force majeure highlights, there is nothing wrong with amending standard form contracts. Rather, these days it is likely detrimental to parties to not have some amendments. Additionally, having a schedule of required amendments is not something that should cause confrontation between the parties. Generally, amendments simply address both changes in law, which have occurred since the release of the JCT suite, as well as project-specific matters. Reviewing amendments often highlights issues which the parties should discuss pre-contract in order to be aware and to allow for proper allocation of various risks and requirements. I hope you've enjoyed this podcast and will join us again next time.